Aloha friends, it's Robert Stelic. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Planet Show. I know it's been a while since I posted the last show, but today's show is awesome. You don't want to miss it if you love foiling. And I also have two more interviews scheduled. I'm really excited about those. One is with Mike's Lab, Mike and Stefano. They make some of the fastest foils available. I just got one after waiting for many months for it. And I'm excited to try it and talk about it on that show. And then also I have an interview scheduled with Ken Winner, who I've been get, trying to get for a very long time. He's a former windsurfing world champion and the designer of the wings at Duotone. So I'm really excited to talk to him about wing design and so on. So stay tuned for those two episodes. And today's show is all about the Foil Fever Ohana, Jason Tangelin and Pono Matthews the organizers of the Foilers of Aloha Classic event, which was held last weekend at Kalapaki Beach, which had some of the most amazing performance and conditions in any foil contest to date. So you don't want to miss it. And if you have a high-speed internet connection, you are going to want to watch it at full resolution on a big screen because the footage is amazing. But of course, you can also listen to it as a podcast on your favorite podcast app. During the interview, I only played the footage from the contest, which is the first half of the interview. And then we just kept talking story for a long time. So I also included footage from our first day on Kauai, where we had two really good wing foil sessions, some really good footage from, of wing foiling on Kauai in the second half. And then also the day after the contest, some surf foiling, more surf foiling at Kalapaki Beach. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of the Foilers of Aloha Classic. And without further ado, please welcome Jason and Pono from the Foil Fever Ohana. Welcome Jason and Pono to the Blue Planet Show. Thanks so much for being my guest today. Yeah, no problem. Oh. Right on. So Appreciate yeah, it. I just got back last weekend. You guys had that awesome contest at Pocky Beach and the conditions were amazing. I was just telling Jason, I think it was the, the best foil contest yet in terms of the performance to a whole nother level. And then the conditions and everything, just an amazing event. And yeah, congratulations on putting together this awesome event. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> And then also just the whole community that you put together, all the people that are involved in it and the, the party afterwards with food and everything. And it was, it's just a, it was a, just a great experience for everybody. And uh, myself and a few others from Oahu, we went over there to actually to, to do the downwind race. And then unfortunately that the wind just died. Like we had super strong wind the whole week before and then the week of the contest, it just died off. Yeah, God, that's God telling us, okay, one day is good enough for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So yeah, talk a little bit maybe about all the work that's involved in putting together a contest like this. It starts with the big thing is trying to get the permits and we can't really do anything, put anything out on social media until Pono receives the authorization from Koi for us to get to put on a contest. But this year we, we tried to put out a little bit more social media than usual. We knew it was going to come to be a lot of hard work because of the first year we did it. It was a lot of hard work, um, but it, I don't know. It worked out. Making the shirts, getting all the sponsors. Initially on our first contest, we made it work. So Kauai was the host. We made it where 60% of the competitors was from, from Kauai, their hometown. 
And then 40% is spread all over the state and in California and Texas to give the local boys there an opportunity to join. And there was a lot of them that did the first contest that wanted, they wanted to just watch on this one. So it allowed me to invite a lot more from the state, which was good. And I tried to, we tried to invite, invite the best of the best. And from the first contest to now, three years later, the progression has gone on a whole nother level that we never thought it would ever be. Because on our first one, we're like, oh, I can't wait for next year. Yeah. I was like, but three years later, oh, it, it's a whole new world, that's for sure. But, yeah, so the first one, the first inaugural event was in 2019. Yeah. And then basically the whole pandemic came in the way. And then so you, this is really the second contest you guys are holding. And yeah, like you said, the whole yeah the performance just went through the roof it seemed just yeah it's like crazy how exciting it was to watch the whole thing yeah but okay and i have a whole bunch of video i posted that video with the highlights and then i made a longer video for this interview that we we can show it and talk about it but we still want to make it fun to listen to as a podcast as well but I'm going to actually just start screen sharing while we're talking. So that way you're welcome to comment on the video or just talk about the, your whatever we're talking about. But I'm just going to play this in the background. So this was the contest event side. I'm just going to play first is that video of the highlights. And can you guys see the video? Okay. Yes, you yeah. can. That's JD Irons. <sighs> Okay. So yeah, just actually let's talk a little bit about the conditions because it like the day before and the day after it was this normal small waves. And then this day was just, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The day before we were all there doing the, we had the beach cleanup on Friday. So we saw some other guys out there practicing and we're like, oh, there's some waves. It's like normal Kalapaki waves kind of slow me and my uncle and some of the other guys were talking and we we're like we hope there's waves tomorrow because we weren't too sure like we never anticipated this swell to hit some of us were talking about it like okay there's a big north swell and we know kalapaki will get it if we have that trade winds also and then friday i think we we're talking about how the, the swell is actually gonna switch direction for more northeast swell so we're like, oh, okay, we're definitely going to have waves. But the trippy part about it is when we got there at 4.30 in the morning, I believe, to set up the canoe club. And then all we see is just water covering water and boulders, big, huge rocks just covering up the road. And, we're, and we can hear the waves breaking over the brick wall. And we're like, we look at each other and we're like, oh, my goodness, it's bombing. It, it's got to be really good. So that was, <laughs> I think that was the most exciting part was just seeing that sunrise come over the mountain and just seeing the sets just roll in. And it was just definitely un unbelievable for all of us, I think. We never anticipated it all worked out in the end. Swell all day long, good waves. So. Yeah. And Apaki too, it's like the whole place is a little bit almost like an amphitheater where like everyone's sitting around watching and, and just the crowd, the, like the whole, the audio from the crowd, I wish I had recorded that to put with the video. Cause it was just like cool to hear all the comments and the cheers and whatever it was just, yeah, it was just an experience to, to everyone was super excited about the whole contest and watching every ride and like cheering everyone on. So. That was definitely a good part of it. And a lot of, a lot of good wipeouts like this one. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was, was like, good 
Yeah, that was a good one. So a lot of there was like a lot of kind of sick double ups. Yeah, where the thing just like would drop out from underneath you. It seemed. Like... Yeah, that's so when that... the lower tide. Huh? So it's crazy because the last time we had a swell like this was Hurricane Iniki. Oh. It, it was never this big, and we didn't anticipate how glassy it would be. But because the first contest, it was as big as this, but it wasn't glassy. It was really windy, very stormy. So all the really good guys got, it was very hard for them. And that's why the Kauai guys, kinda, they're so used to it. They got really, they did really good on that one. Home advantage, if you know that wave, right? Yeah, it gets a, it, it gets tricky out there, especially with this kind of swell too. And on that low tide, and it was super shallow out there, like, some of these sets, when we had to duck dive, we're duck diving on dry reef. So we would get stuck on the reef trying to duck dive and just get <laughs> smashed. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I think was... Kane actually did a, a bottom turn and he hit reef wow. on one of his waves. Yeah. So it was shallow. And, like, no one knew it was that shallow on the inside. Yeah. And this video, I put in as much as I could. I'm trying to get everybody's rides on there, like even some of the not so perfect rides and all the wipeouts and stuff like that. So just so you can see a little bit how it definitely oh, yeah. was a pretty challenging. The conditions were pretty challenging. There's a lot of a lot of wipeouts. A lot of the takeoff was tricky because you couldn't take off too far inside because then it backed off. And then, but yeah, so you had to be in just the right place to take off. Yeah, maybe talk a little bit about the conditions and the challenges. So on the high tide, it's a little bit easier to take off at, we call this shoulders, it's called. And so in the beginning of the heat or the beginning of the contest, oh, a lot of guys take, taking off on the outside. But when that low tide came in, a lot of guys, like Jack was smart. He would stay way inside, do a chip shot. And then go out and catch that one big wave because that's the one that they were, everyone was looking at from the start, taking out that big bottom turn. Pono and then I think JD was in the, on the outside, local guys was on the outside trying to paddle into it, which it, it helped them. But then, like, I know one of the wave that the wave that the, was that 343 wave, wipeout. but then what they didn't see was you drop in into that wave. That drop in into that wave was heavy. So yeah, for him yeah. to take that drop, and you can't really, yeah, the Florida's are seeing it from the judge's point, but they're not really, for some reason, they weren't looking at those type of critical drop-ins. They're waiting for the second wave on seeing uh, what, because it's, oh, okay, that's going to see what he got. And mm -hmm. those three for three was probably the best three <laughs> wins I've ever seen. Whole well, time. Was literally one after another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. But yeah, if you've seen Pono's drop, because yeah, like I said, Pono and JD Irons is hanging on the outside trying to take off. Yeah, that was more my mentality because this is a spot I always foil. So I look for those steeper takeoffs, those more crit critical sections on the those takeoffs. Because if you stick those takeoffs, it's a lot harder to do compared to a chip-in shot. For me, that was my mentality, try to take off as deep as I could and if I make it, I make it. If I don't, try again. But, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I think for some reason, it's like I, I played the same video <laughs> a 
over and over here. Wait, I, I mean, it's I a great the, video. I, I think I got the wrong one here. This is going to be very exciting. <laughs> I know. It's pretty dope. And I was watching it on my phone. And I was like, so now I'm watching it on the big screen. I'm like, ooh, yeah. whoa, it looks way more heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to plug it to my, to my big TV. Yeah, 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 and I actually uh, rendered it in high resolution, like 4K, I think. So, so it should be pretty cool to watch on a big screen too. So, sorry, I had, was playing the just the short version, but yeah. So in this one, I just tried to put as much footage as I had into it. For the different riders and stuff, everybody can check it out. I was trying to turn off the volume. That's what happened. Okay. There we go. Okay, so actually, a question that people had was about the rules. So let's go over the contest rules. What were the rules for proning? What were the rules for stand-up paddling and so on? Maybe go over that a little bit. On our first contest, I got my cousins together. All the people that was that helped me start the whole foiling evolution going on. And it, was, it wasn't easy because as a foiler, that foiling can go in any direction. Towards the end, we got into arguments and this and that. We, we needed to just stick with one point. But our idea was to whatever we do in a contest is what we, as the foil fever guys, like to see in the real world means of safety-wise. So leash required. Our big thing is not coming in within 20 feet of another person as the other guy, as the other person drops in and then obviously no dropping in and stuff like that. But <clears throat> those are the two main parts of it. The stand-up and everybody else had the same rules except for the stand-ups. They, they could use straps if they wanted to. Yeah, so I mean, talk a little bit about that because I know it's a little bit controversial that the foot strap thing. So what what is your reasoning behind not allowing foot straps for, the, for prone foiling? The big reason is not a lot of guys foil straps um so it would be unfair for the straps and the strapless go against each other so it was easier for us to have strapless because the guys with strapless they would have to buy a board that has straps or put on straps and it would be a lot easier if we went the other way around in this contest in the beginning i had an expression session for straps but in the long run i wanted we wanted to make sure that we had Everybody surfed at least twice. So I took out that straps expression session for that one heat. But that's and then the main plus, reason. Plus, you got to look at the scoring too. If first one guy with straps versus another guy without straps, the whole scoring right. would be totally different because if the strap guy is doing just a frontside whitewater whack compared to a guy doing a strapless whitewater whack, same thing. I would rather score the guy without straps higher points than the guy with straps because it's a lot more critical and it's a lot harder to do without straps. Yeah, agreed. And it's amazing that there are oh. still so many aerial maneuvers without straps. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was, but somebody did a backflip. <laughs> yeah, backflip, yeah, double rail grab backflip. I saw that. I was like, I mean, oh. So, <laughs> and then Mateo was doing 360 airs. Yeah. And he threw that boosting air. So it's not to say that you cannot do these things without straps. It's possible. It, Noah Fiegel's doing it. Why can't we? But yeah, it's just because of that. Less money spent on trying to get a board with straps. Uh, I wanted to make it even for everyone. Oh, yeah. oh it's ammonia. 
Yeah. And then this was the wave on the right side of the bay. And I was, there was like some made, beautiful barrels coming through. Yeah. And that's yeah, this too. is this is my favorite wave in the whole wide world for surfing. We won't say the name, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's keep that a secret. Okay. But yeah, just waves were just unreal. And they just kept coming too. It wasn't like just one set. It was just like it seemed like just it just it, the waves just kept coming and coming. It was pretty impressive. Yes, because the next day we arrived and it was half the size and there was a lot of laws. And same thing with the first contest. It was literally, it was like just as big as this contest. And then the next day it went completely flat. So I don't know how, or I don't know, God's giving us some good waves. I believe that. The locals are like, they should know that every time they know that we have a contest, they should know that have waves. So they, <laughs> yeah. Guaranteed yeah. huge waves, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's like an overall everyone. We did the beach cleanup, the camaraderie inside and outside the water, all the support that we've had, all the hard work we put into this, people flying from all over, supporting this contest, supporting the cause for Namakoona Ona, women in need. I think it, overall, I think that is what helped us have these kind of waves to me it, because the day before and the day after was totally different compared to our contest. So I truly believe that it was an all together, everybody coming together as a whole for this contest yeah. made it happen. Yeah, definitely. The good energy brought nature brought it to, together. Definitely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, yeah. and- uh, nobody knows, but Thursday, Pono and I went out when it was going like 30, 40 miles an hour winds. We're winging. And uh, we paid the price for that one. We were the only two guys out at Kalapaki, and we didn't have the right equipment. And it was blowing so hard that we couldn't make it back. So we ended up in the, we ended up in the harbor. Oh, <laughs> and walked back. Around in the harbor. And I felt so bad. But then I turned around 10 minutes later and I seen Pono behind me is okay, good. I don't feel, I don't feel like a <laughs> retard now. <laughs> so what the wind direction, is it kind of offshore there or, or which, what's the wind direction when it's straight winds? Yeah, it's basically straight offshore. But what's so good about Kalapaki is it tells you where the swell is on the island, except for that Northwest or a straight West swell. Cause you'll, this yeah. When the big salt swell, it'll still break, break like this, except for that surf on the right hand side. So it'll tell you, this bay will tell you where the salt side has waves or the east side waves or the northeast will have waves. This is a totally indication of the whole island, basically. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's amazing because it seems like a fairly small entrance into the into that bay for it to catch so many swell directions. And it's the same direction, that 40 degree direction that Kahana Bay has. Uh-huh. Yeah. So every time I'm surfing, uh, foiling at Kahana Bay, I already know that Kalapaki Bay is going up. Because we would call each other. We would call each other and be like, what, Kalapaki breaking? Yep, Kalapaki waves. What, Kahana waves? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. 
Okay. Okay. So let's go back to the to the rules because actually Derek had some questions about that and stuff too. Like in terms of the the scoring criteria, like what were the judges looking for to for the points and stuff? Well, well Danny, Danny, yeah, I know. It's so distracting. It's unreal. Yeah. Um, oh, you're watching the video. <laughs> yeah. Points wise, was wanted to make it uh, like the surfing speed, power flow as surfing. I don't see us as a little bit. We're not uh, consider ourselves the way we surf, the same way or foil the same way we surf. Years, a few years ago, no one was doing it, and then we started to do it years ago, and like, why can't we surf it, foil it like a surf? surfboard and i wanted to make sure that the progression goes towards that end and on the judging scale staying in critical conditions the type of waves jack won the prone for many different reasons but he's also caught one of the biggest waves of the day and then so on a foil the speed is there so we have no comparison to to surfing but yeah we just want to judge it the same way we do surfing style Okay. Kind of stay more in that critical section in the pocket, and instead of just staying away from all the white water and all that, we want to see you be able to come back, cut back, and hit it if possible. On this day, it was you'd be on a whole nother level if you're cracking it, white water snapped off the top on a bomb set in front of me, and he landed it. Those the type of the stuff. It's just unreal. Too bad he didn't do it in the finals, but yeah, those are the type of stuff that you'll you rarely see on a foil and it's good to see and that's where the progression we thought would be three years ago and looking at it now it's we never thought we would well hit white water or doing the airs on a foil but these guys are doing it on pretty big waves now and going for the barrel too that, that was and going amazing. for the barrel yeah <laughs> yeah, um, yeah and, but the, the crazy thing is these guys going for the barrel that they know is going to close out like Pono and two waves in a row, he knows it's going to close out, but he, the adrenaline of the competition and he can, he, I asked him, I was like, when, when you came out, did you hear the crowd? And he was like, dude, you can totally hear the crowd. I was like, because <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, Rob, you were out there and oh my gosh, the crowd was just so pumped. It was oh, unreal. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was a great atmosphere. I could, I could like hear I the crowd. It was like a, Almost like a live concert or something like that is what it felt like a little bit. Yeah. I could so, hear the I, I mean, it's like reaction more than I could hear you announcing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? That's how loud it was, yeah. Because that's I was what... speechless, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was that one where you just like, maybe talk about that one wave where you just like flying down the line. There was backside grabbing the rail and then just so fast that you just couldn't keep the foil in the water. Yeah. Oh, that, that was JD. Uh, so JD. that was JD. Oh, that and was JD. JD. Sorry. And JD Irons and that wave, Ashley won him won the fully the, the wipeout of the day because everybody was getting wipeouts, but the amount of speed that he was getting on that wave and and was a big set. We had to give him that because it was yeah. just, I felt my eardrums pop when he landed. Right. And that was backside too. That's even yeah. more crazy. Yeah. More scary. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. speed that he was flying on the wave and then 
just coming to a complete stop, just hitting the water full speed. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nuts. it's not a fun, it doesn't feel good, but it looks good to the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Look at his race. So good. Oh. Right on. Yeah. So, uh-huh. and then originally you had planned for the Sunday to do like a, a downwind race, right? So where would that have been? Like what, what was the planned course if there was wind and yeah, what was the plan for the downwind race? Cause yeah. That was so gonna... pri- primarily we wanted Kalia to end it at the jetty right there in Kalapaki Bay. Okay. It's about, a, I don't know, maybe a 10, 12 mile stretch straight northeast and it was looking good but that wind started to come early thursday friday which thank god because saturday would have been oh my god it would have been so heavy on if the winds came out on saturday it would be like out of control but it would have been a whole different scene yeah, yeah. all the boys you know that no whole new thing is the winging and everyone was really actually excited about that yeah. um but yeah, yeah, bummer that we had to not hold it, but it was a good time. Next time on I guess. Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this kid Mateo was a real standout as well because he was doing both the stand-up division and the prone division. Yeah. yeah. And this is his second time doing that. Yeah. Same thing back in 2019. He won first in sub and second in prone. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. it's pretty amazing because he went like from and there was like no break between the heats too. So he went like from the pro stand-up final straight switchboards and just went straight into the prone final. Yeah. And, and it happens that way. That's the consequences of trying to enter so much divisions. You're going to have those moments where you go back to back, but he's not even 20, I don't believe. So his energy level is on a, on another level. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If that was me, I would have been like, oh, no, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, take, yeah. What was I going to ask? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The different divisions and the results. Are the res- final results posted somewhere? Sort of. I did. I post everything but the prone because we lost the results. <laughs> uh, okay. And I'm still searching for it. I know someone took a picture of it. But uh, yeah, I know. I don't even have the results in front of me. Oh, but, double um, no worries. But yeah, I, I guess some maybe I can put maybe you can send me the results later or whatever. I can post them on okay. this video as well. But um, people were asking like what are the because you only announced yeah, the top three finishers or whatever. All right. But and then yeah, they were asked people were asking what about making it a two-day event? Also, the judging like is on the side of the bay almost facing away from the break like the because the break the wave breaks away from the judges stand they're saying is that the best location wouldn't it be better to have it uh, judging from straight on or from the other side of the bay well what's your take on that we got those houses right there on the cliff that we could rent that's an option or maybe get a room at the marriott but it's so much easier accessible for us to do it at the canoe club and people's got to realize that most of this money is coming out of Pono and I's pocket. So for us to even rent a room at the Marriott is probably impossible. <laughs> yeah. I no, and, then plus, and then plus, if we was to set up like on the beach or something, you would have to think about whole scaffolding, scaffolding, 
on the beach and then getting permits to do that on the beach. It's a lot of things that we would have to think about in order to try to do that. Especially on this day, we weren't expecting for it to have this much barrels to actually hold up nice and clean. A lot of them, you're, if, you, if you were on it and you went for the barrel, you'd be able to make it out easily. That's how good it, that's how good and clean it was. I mean, mm -hmm. and then plus with the canoe club, if we didn't have these kind of barrel sections and whatnot, it's a perfect spot to be for the judges yeah. to be at the top story and you could actually see everything from there. Yeah, and the judges were upstairs on the second floor too, so you had a pretty yeah. good vantage point of the waves yeah, from right. the upstairs. Right so they, they, they could see, and I was up there most of the time, mm. and we could see pretty good. The only part that it was hard was in the morning time when that sun was setting directly over. We couldn't uh, decisive the colored jerseys, but that's yeah, about especially, it. Especially when they're pumping out because I was up on the top for the first two heats and then guys would be pumping out and then as soon as they turn around to just go straight down catch a wave like they get lost in the sun but yeah, as soon as they as soon as they reach the break we could see their jersey colors we had to kind of work that out we're like hey okay we're not so we're not judging them on watching them glide into the wave we're only watching that we're only scoring them on the more critical section when the wave actually breaks so we mm -hmm. had to kind of figure that out first thing in the morning yeah that makes sense seven judges yeah oh. so three <laughs> judges three judges scoring a head judge and then three spotters mm -hmm. and that's one of the things we learned from the first contest to make sure we have a spotter per judge just to call out because and that's the reason one of the reasons why we kept the two for one max per ride because <laughs> otherwise guys like Jack and Mateo would be doing 10 for ones. And yeah. So actually, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. So basically the rule was you can yeah. take off on a wave, ride it and then pump out and get a second wave. But that was it, right? You couldn't get more than two waves in one to for one score, right? Correct. Yeah. And the reason for that is because just to make it more of an even playing field for guys that can't pump like an 18 year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, so even on a smaller day, you would see like they'll do two for ones. My thought process was like somebody like Pono can do so much wave, so much turns in on that one wave than they would somebody else is doing two waves. They're doing as much as turns. So that, it gave everybody that, that chance to score. Um, if that makes sense, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think that rule makes sense because you don't, yeah, you don't <laughs> want it to turn just into a pumping contest. Also, then people would probably use bigger foils, which don't perform as well on the wave and stuff like that. We're yeah. sticking to that whole performance side of foiling, yeah. I noticed yep. too on the stand-up paddleboard side, like it seemed like the guys with the really long, the longer boards were, yeah, got the best scores, yeah, because just because they were able to catch the waves easier and stuff like that. It seemed like yeah, that. I like Dane and Mateo, but that's a big board for Mateo. Right. So he was, and he he was like a downwind, downwind board. It looked like the downwind. Yeah, board. yeah, because like guys board. like Derek, Derek looked like he was having a hard time trying to because there's so much water moving at that point. Yeah, no, I mean, Derek, Derek was on his tiny wing foil board, so it wasn't yeah. really even a stand-up paddle board. Yeah, so. 
Yeah, him, so him and Nick. Sorry. Him and Nick Ben is always my top two picks. But this day, when it's bigger, on a smaller day, they would just tear it up. But because there was so much water moving, I, I think that's I had a hard time. But the first two places, Nick Bennett took third. But the first two places, Mateo and Daniel, um, they had bigger boards. So they were catching most of the waves. Yeah. So for prone foiling, I want to talk a little bit about your equipment. What were you using and, and what would you say would have been like perfect equipment for this day of foil surfing i was riding my freedom fusion board it's like a four five 17 three quarters and 28 liters and then i was riding my foil was axis 799 front wing with a silly short fuselage 325 progressive tail wing. a lot of guys were yeah a lot of guys were riding that more high aspect kind of wing for that speed I know a lot of guys was running the lifts, 90. Jack was running, riding the 90. But then we were all planning on riding those smaller wings for just for that speed. And we can carve. But I think the only guy in the prone division that was riding a big wing was Jake. Yeah. Jakey Perps. Yeah, he rips on the big wings. I think he's the only prone foiler I, I know of that can rip on a 210 go foil. Huh, yeah like a short board and he whips that thing like it's no other everybody else was riding those small wings he was riding a big wing and just ripping on it yeah. that just shows the progression in who you are as a person and what you're capable of yeah and the, seven nine, the 799 axis i have that one too for wing filling but it's a pretty small foil it has it doesn't have much drag but you need to maintain that speed it's not that yeah. easy to pump. You got to really keep up the speed, right? Yeah, it definitely needs the speed to keep it going. But once you're in that rhythm, it's all about mainly that rhythm and the technique for your pumping style. Mm -hmm. If you can keep that, then you are you can go for quite a while compared to... Uh, for me, I would rather ride a smaller wing than a big wing in any condition. I even ride over here like one, two foot days. I ride my small wing because wow. I like it because it's super loose super carvy. I can almost ride it like my surf wing as well. That's why. Yeah. And it's just more efficient. You have less drag, right? So it's easier to maintain the speed too, because you don't have to work as hard to go faster. It seems like. Yes. And yeah, the two, like, what about uh, holding it over two days? Have you thought about that? Or I guess <laughs> the plan was to have one day of surfing and one day of rate and downwind racing kind of thing. So we just did it one day. That's how we started it in 2019. And then three months later, we actually had a contest in Maui that we had to cancel three weeks prior because of the pandemic. So we had every set up, everything else for Maui, everything was ready to go. That was scheduled for two days. We just kept it down to one day. And then this year we're like, okay, let's go ahead, add the, the wing race to it. But we're going to keep the Kauai one to one day for Kalapaki. Few reasons. One, I don't want to take away two days away from the local boys out there. I think yeah. one day one day is long enough, on a, especially on a swell like this. But so Koi is always going to be that one day at Kalapaki and then hopefully the next day is a race. But the Maui, if we have it in Maui, it's going to be at guardrails. And the, those are going to be two days, two day events. <laughs> so. Okay. And then, so yeah, so Maui, do you like actually talk a little bit about your plans for the future? Because you said that you had something planned in Tennessee next summer. Is that right? 
Yeah, we're trying to do a wake foil contest in Tennessee in July on the 14th, 15th, I believe. And I still wanted to do something in Hawaii in May, whether it's at Kaka'ako or or guardrails on Maui. Okay. Um, So that's the plan. And then back to Kauai the weekend after Thanksgiving. Awesome. Kaka'ako would be cool. That's our backyard, so... Yeah, um, that's but but for Tennessee, like what like a wake wake foiling contest? How would that work, and what would be the criteria and stuff? It's and and that's what we're trying to figure out. So they had an invitee maybe about two months ago. Brian Grubb, them I, I think it was in Orlando, I believe, and they scored it more like wake style foiling. So we're gonna try and do that same thing, but have different divisions. Uh, whether it's strap and strapless, uh, that's going to be something new to us. We've been doing in the last couple of years, doing the whole traveling to the wake side of it. We did a tour last, well, like a few months ago, actually. Just do went from lake to lake just to see how many people are out there foiling. It's actually unreal the amount of people that's foiling because this was it the surf wake, I believe, or waking, I should say, those are starting to go away. And now they're starting to foil a lot more. So the competitions right now, it's especially for the foil side, it's still fresh. And mm-hmm. we always wanted to be one of the guys to actually push it out. So we did did our homework trying to travel around to different lakes to see what one the talent and then two how what are people doing, the boats they use and learn and starting to learn about different types of boats, the size of the waves, how many waves are behind. It's unreal how they do it. So last year we did it at the Wake Fest and we got invited to do the world record how many spoilers behind the wake? I think we only got 16. The Right now, the record is 30, 31 or 32, I believe, by the Tahitians. So next year, because we were from the 58th state, our number is 50. I want to try to see if I can get 50 guys behind the wake on the foil wow. the weekend before Wake Fest. And then at Wake Fest, we're going to try again. They're going to give us... This past year, Wake Fest... This is the first time Wakefest allowed any other sport in Wakefest. And they gave us two runs per day, which was pretty amazing. Wow. Uh, the crowd here was one at Kalapaki was one thing, but they have 1,500 wake boats in the water lined up screaming when the foilers came down. And it was such an intense experience. And next year, I'll make sure the foil people, we're going to go go check it out and, and put on our contest. My friend Brian from Flight Deck, Tennessee, he's out there. And he's doing a lot of the leg work for us. We've been doing it for the last, I don't know, four or five months now. <clears throat> so when I called him like the day after this contest, and I was like, okay, let's go. Let's get started working on the Tennessee contest. So we're going to put in it out maybe in January, I would say, to the public. We already got a place to stay. It's just there's a lot more logistics trying to get a, the lake because it's open, especially the lakes in Tennessee. You have three different states that goes through that lake. So you got guys from Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee that shares the same lake. So there's a lot of people on that lake. But yeah. most of the – go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say, you said, what, 150 wake boats on the lake or something like that? That sounds crazy. It was cool because they were all, like, tied up to each other. Oh. And it was, like, a big, it was, like, the cars, they call it Baki, but it was such a huge crowd. And you get that. We stayed on the houseboats that was behind it. It was so intense. So intense. So hopefully on this first one that we do, we know it's not going to be as big. I don't think any contest, any foil contest that we do is going to be, can beat this. We said that 2019, but yeah, uh, Saturday was way, way it bigger. Definitely, than... I think it definitely topped our first call. Well, just like the waves and the performance both were just, yeah. just amazing. Right. And I don't think anything like this has helped, been helped before. So it's just really cool to be there in person and see it happen for sure. Oh, we're happy that you came down. Yeah, yeah. I was stoked. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention, somebody in the on my video commented, how was I able to get my drone to fly? Because this is like kind of really close to the airport and it's not in the flight line, but it's like in this blue zone, which is a restricted flight area for drones. You're not, you need like authorization to fly there. And when I first tried it and I brought two drones and all my batteries and everything like that, and I couldn't get it to work. I was really frustrated because I showed up with all my stuff and then I couldn't fly. And then because I had a DJI flight controller and then I tried all this stuff that, that it said to do and it just kept rejecting my, my thing. And then I finally tried my older controller, which works with my phone. And then while I was logged into the DJI account using my older controller, maybe I didn't update it or something like that. But for some reason, I was able to like self-authorize, just go through that. And then it worked. Mm -hmm. I was lucky to be able to fly because it took me like an hour to figure out how to make it work. But so basically, yeah, the way I was able to make it work was like self-authorizing through my phone, being connected to the, the phone controller on the DJI. Oh, so, Pono could tell you right yeah. there. Let me see right there. That's where Pono's drone is right in this area. <laughs> I know. I can't, oh, that was your drone, Pono? <laughs> I can't, yeah, I think we got pretty close a few times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. So, um, is, yeah, oh. my drone is actually in Kalapaki. Oh, in the water. <laughs> yeah, so but I lost was... it like a few months ago. Uh -huh. I was flying it, and then it automatically just went to auto landing while I was out above the water flying. It oh, just no. started landing, coming down slowly and slowly, almost close to the water. And I tried to shoot it to shore on the sand. And it just barely almost reached the sand, but it landed right in the water. And I was like, oh, oh it's gone. That's so we spent all day trying to swim for it. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. day. For two days. A lot of times you're happy just to get the SD card back with the footage, right? Because you know that right. once it's in the salt water, it's probably not going to survive it anyways. But at least you can get the right. footage out of it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually have the footage of it landing in the water. Oh. It was connected to my phone, so right. I got the footage from that because I was recording that whole flight while it was landing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was pretty hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, that's something to be aware of that it's actually not an automatic thing that you can fly the drone there. <laughs> so yeah, it depends on the, the size of your drone too. Yeah. So I had the Air 2S. Um, it, was, it worked until up until that day even the yeah. minis i know chris christian park he was flying his drone so i think he had the dji mini yeah so he was able to fly it out there it depends on the size of drone you have yeah i guess that might be it too 
but oh. yeah and then i also wanted to mention alex aguera from gofo was there with a i guess he had a telephoto lens and was shooting from the beach and he posted a video too on youtube that couple days ago and that one has you can hear the comments from the crowd and the crowd cheering and stuff like that which is definitely that that part is missing from the drone video for sure that you don't get that oh yeah the audio from the crowd was pretty cool and then announcing yeah you get so pumped to hear the crowd going i was telling people the last few days if we didn't have the contest and it was just a free for all regular session you wouldn't see guys be pulling in like that or doing the crazy stuff that they were doing saturday but mm. because these guys are like pushing each other and that's the cool thing about the foilers it's just no matter if you're in competition or not everyone's pushing and hollering on the side yelling go yeah. it's such a good vibe the foilers and that's hopefully it's it lasts a little bit longer but even though in the competition the foilers there's something different or something special i believe i agree with that totally what do you think what's the cause of that like why is why are foilers so much more open and uh, yeah like more open to sharing and just enjoying it together versus most of these foilers are surfers and in the lineup on a surfboard you can sit in the water for an hour and might catch two waves where on a foil you can sit in a corner tiny half a foot white water and have the time of your life and catch two for one three for one and or whatever but when you get done you're so tired you're like <laughs> you're resting for 15 minutes anyway yeah. but and it's so funny because I was pointing at Diamond Head and one of the uncles, the locals, and uh, he's at the top of the hill and we, I walk up to the top and he goes, how come every time I see you foilers, you guys always smiling? <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and yeah, right? Um, I was like, and I told him, it was because after an hour session of foiling to climb up that cliffs hill and make it, they <laughs> like, oh. Our legs are so tired and the last thing we want to do is climb up that cliff. But it's true. All the foilers you see, the positive attitude, the positive feedback from everybody. Trying, you'll never have a surfer go, hey, come here, let me teach you how to, to surf. Where foilers, they're welcoming. I want to teach you because they know the consequences of foiling. We want to teach and we do. We have free lessons. We have free demonstrations to the public that we put on once in a while for the whole safety because you know how, how can we tell these guys don't do this don't do that when or when we're not out there actually teaching them how the right way of doing it because it is dangerous yeah but, and even if for somebody that has a lot of experience surfing and they think they can just jump on a foil and learn it easily because they already know how to surf sometimes that's the most dangerous because they're like yeah they you have that mentality already. The mentality that they don't need any advice or whatever. True. But you can be on a one-foot wave on a foil. And no matter what, you have to be on your toes. You start to be cocky. You got to be humble the whole time. And whether it's 20 feet or one feet, the same humbleness is exactly the same. Yeah. Because yeah. either way, you, either you're way you can hurt. end up with 20 stitches on your head. If you, exactly. You don't yeah. know what you're doing. True. Either you'll get the stitches or... 
some you'll do it to somebody else. That's but what you, we were trying to avoid. I think right? something worth mentioning is that despite everybody like having pretty gnarly wipeouts in the most critical um, uh, section and everything, like that one, and the foil, yeah, tumbling around your head and stuff like that, like nobody got injured, right? There was no injuries in this event, right? Or were there? Did I miss something? Uh, there was one. Somebody grabbed the foil, I think, by his hand. Oh, that was it. I forget who it was, but uh, oh. Is it Kane, maybe? I'm not sure. Got the hand slice open or something? His yeah. foot. Hmm, yeah. Okay. Oh, his foot? Was it foot? Okay. I know he had yeah. tape on his foot. Yeah. Not to show sure the contest or whatnot. But. I saw Kane the next day. He was out foiling again at Kalapaki. <laughs> not bad, but yeah, anyways. So it looks really dangerous, but I guess if you, if you know what you're doing and know how to avoid the foil, it can actually be relatively safe, I would say. Oh, so the number one rule when I taught Pono how to foil when we got started and how I started, the, these words will always stick to my head and I always tell the same thing to anybody yeah. who wants to learn how to foil and foiling is it's not how you foil it's how you fall and so when we started to learn have the confidence in falling hitting the white water like i have full confidence on hitting the white water because i have full confidence on how i know how to bail but i know how to once you start having that tendency of or not confident in falling that's basically when you get hurt yeah. And you got to stay humble, of course. You're going to get hurt. It's not if, it's when. Yeah, I think the biggest tip for beginners is when you're surfing, sometimes like if you lose your balance and you're starting to fall off, you can catch yourself and you basically try to pull off the maneuver until you hit the water. And if, if right. you hit the water, then you are then you crash. But foiling, like as soon as you lose your balance a little bit or you feel like the foil is not right underneath you, it's just time to bail out right away bail. and not try to bail. correct it or save yourself from falling. It's a lot easier to come back to catch another wave than get her, wait a couple weeks, <laughs> and then you or know, more Yeah. So. For sure. For sure. Let's talk a little bit about your background. Like, how did you grow up and how did you get into foiling and all that? I'm curious. Pono. Yeah, start with Pono. Oh, I pretty much grew up here on Kauai, here on Oahu a lot, was back and forth between islands. Fondest memory of be learning how to surf was probably at Wailua Beach here on Kauai, at the river mouth, yeah, trying to learn how to surf. And then I got into bodyboarding when I moved up to Oahu, bodyboarded at a spot called Tumbolands in Maile. And then, okay. yeah, and then pretty much moved back here, surf. And then I actually got started with foiling back in 20, 2018 from this guy, my uncle. He was foiled before me and then he came over for New Year's. Him and Uncle Cleve was like, hey, you need to try this. So I tried it and I was pretty much hooked. I was watching guys foiling at Kalapaki for quite a while before I even started. And I always was like, wow, that looks so cool, but looks so dangerous. Or maybe that's not for me. Sorry, it was actually Uncle Kavika Carvalho. I would always see him out on his sub foiling Kalapaki. I was like, just, I think he was like one of the only ones that I actually saw like ripping on a foil so early in the game back in what, 2018. Yeah, and he was definitely a pioneer, right? Yeah, for sure. He was a, one of the first guys. And then my Uncle Jason 
set me up with a foil and a board and I was pretty much hooked ever since and still am. It's literally an addiction. Talk, maybe talk a little bit about your first session. Like how was that? What did you <laughs> learn on your first session? My first well, session that I... one foot waves are like 10 foot waves. It's scary. <laughs> I, so that was uh, the first day. The first, yeah, the first day I landed actually on the rail on my ribs. <laughs> the second day was like three to four foot corners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he couldn't even catch a wave. That's how three to four foot corners on a perfect day, it gets really double, Gnarly. super good. And I wanted to go out there, so I took Bono, and he didn't catch one. This is gnarly. That was my but first battle of shame. Yeah. yeah, and he got humbled so badly, which was, and I got humbled as well too that day, but being his second day and taking him out there, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. So what about you, Jason? Are you from Kauai as well originally or? Yeah, I'm from Kauai. I live home Oahu now. This is my home break right there. Surfed since I was five years old. And then uh, I went back first day of foiling what my friends and my cousin then was, was like, oh, we need to get up or you know, get you on foiling. It's like, okay, I'll just try. I actually waited a few months for me to try it because I knew this is one of the sport that you like. So that's why you don't want to do it. One, it's we already knew how expensive it was and then how addictive it was. We really knew that before we even got one on one of these. It's like it's one of those sports that you don't want to do it because of that. But once I got on, feeling that's why. yeah, so I got it away. It's at, uh, first place. First time was at Talapaki Bay. Got super humbled. Flew back the next day. Went straight to Hawaiian Water Sports and bought my first set. <laughs> and I was on the phone with my cousins, Kaleo and Kaleo Lopez. And I was asking them, what do you need? And uh, the whole time, it was, uh, the whole drive all the way to a pool into the parking lot. And here is... <laughs> Telling me all this stuff and, you know, telling me about you're going to get hurt, this and that. And so that's how I started and just got, and then I ended up just foiling Queens. After I came back, I got my gear. I learned how to foil like Queens and Pops and Canoes. So um, what was your first foil? What did you start on? That was, the first foil was uh, John and Mudson Bar, the Nubby, and the Eva from Go Foil. Eva Foil, yeah. But, which it wants to fly. Those right there, that set just wants to fly. So I had no problem learning on one of those for sure. It just doesn't want to fly too fast. Right? Uh, yeah. Compared to what these guys are running and what we are running nowadays, it's a whole new ball game. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. you, have to, you have to. It, it The progression, like from 2019, the progression, yes, talent and confidence on your foil, but gear has gone I mean, it's so crazy, the progression on the gear, the foils and the boards. I remember the boards back then. I remember one guy came out for real, the foam, a Clark foam, it says Clark foam on it. And he basically no shape it, nothing. He didn't take a sand to it. He glassed the foam and <laughs> stuck a foil underneath. I mean, it was here in Oahu and I was laughing, but he was riding it. It, it was super flexy, of course, because it was like, no carbon back then was just straight stringer. It didn't last very long, but, but I thought it was pretty classic. But the boards <laughs> back then was just, yeah. compared to now, it's different. And then, oh, totally. So what do you ride now? What's your for foiling? 
So my setup is a magic 808 board made by Glenn Fang, four five length, 17 and a half at 28 liters as my board. And then my foils are we ride access, like the 82, 82 centimeter fuselage mass and the, with the silly short. And I ride a little bit bigger wing now because gain a little bit weight. It has like the 740, I believe, the 740 PSC, the 350 wing. Those things are so good for us. A lot of people ask, especially beginners, is like, what foil or what equipment should I buy? That's one of the biggest. I wish my cousin guys helped me, but now we have more options. Oh, yeah. Every day there's new equipment coming in. And like Honolulu, every other guy here shapes boards. You can get boards all over now. But guys like Glenpe, guys from Freedom, those guys learned in the beginning the hard way. But now they've, they learned so much. And now the progression and how solid the boards are and how light the boards are is unreal. Super yeah. cool. And then people, a lot of times people think that the board's not that important because you're just riding the foil. But... It, the board does make a big difference because yeah like that the board is what kind of gets you up on the foil right in the first place so without the right board it's hard to even get up on the foil oh for sure and then in terms of length have you gone a little bit longer it seems like for a while everybody's going as short as possible and then now people are using a little bit longer boards again or what's been your experience or progression no exactly so we all started what 310 phono yeah, yeah. Three ten, and wider was at twenty two inches wide and like thirty five liters. But now it's the length. Glenn Bang was like, "Oh, I got go a little bit wider like, or longer in length." So okay, but I got to come more narrow to make up for what I wanted to do. We went all the way down to seventeen inches wide, and the length we did go about, but yeah, three four inches longer, and then. We just started to pull in the liters, the volume on our boards, because we noticed that you can feel the foil even more. It's way more responsive having that tail dropped in a little bit, but yeah, it's insane. Yeah. The progression of the equipment. Yeah, and, for, and for wing foiling, have you guys been wing foiling at all? Or are you getting into that at all? Or yeah, not so much? Oh, we've both definitely been wing foiling i can say Malfur is hooked on wing foiling because all he talks about every time is oh look get wind and it's barely <laughs> even blowing it's barely even that's the, that's... what happened there it looks like it, it's like the bottom dropped out from underneath you huh? so okay, i told him that way if he went if he had a longer fuselage he may he would he might would have had a chance on that one because the shorter fuselage makes it more like a uh uh more loose on the front and back. So if, when you see him drops in, he's going so hard and he was trying to correct it and the thing just went whoop. Yeah. But oh, was that, that the double up? Yeah. That one was crazy. So on that wave, that was the finals. So as the tide was lower dropping, I could see that the barrels was more, like it was a lot more wide open, more on the inside of the, the break, away from shoulders where everybody was taking off. So it was forming the A-frame section more on the inside. So I was like, oh, okay, if I pump out, let me see if I can connect and get one of those. So as, as I'm going out and pumping, I was like, I don't, I don't have a set here, so, but I see this wave. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll just go for it. 
And as I'm pumping, I see a double up. I'm like, and I'm already behind the set. So I'm, uh, I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? So in that video, there's like a split second where it looks like I'm relaxed, but I'm like, should I go or should I not? And then in that split second, I'm like, I'll just go for it. Yeah, it looks like you, you tried to drop the nose down into the way, like you tried to just go straight down the, the face, right? right? Yeah, straight down and try to correct it at the bottom of the way, but I was like way too late. I was like, oh, crashed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was definitely tricky. And there's a few times where you could see there were actually like sometimes like the guy's on the wave and then the wave right in front, there's another wave right in front breaking and then they're, yeah, and then doubling up or whatever else. It was definitely a little bit. Uh, tr definitely tricky right not just a smooth ride <laughs> no everybody yeah. stepped everybody who was out there in the waters stepped up their game it was un unreal on how much progression there was and we were all cheering each other on like i was in when i was in my heats i was cheering on the guys that was in my heats cheering on the guys that was in the next heat we were trying to push each other and just everybody's just charging and just sending it it was so unreal to just to see that like in the water yeah oh yeah for sure yeah i've never seen that many people trying to pull into barrels on a full <laughs> board you know, it's like, <laughs> every other way so like try to duck under the lip and there was a few actually a few rides that people pulled off fully barreled yeah. and then coming back yeah. out of it i don't think i really oh, yeah. got those but definitely a few it looks so perfect yeah i, yeah, I didn't want we were actually talking about maybe renting a house on the on that other side of the bay oh, that was the one when you have your event and then maybe we could have the judges sitting on the balcony there. <laughs> oh but, yeah. And then of course Mother Nature's gonna provide waves again. Because you usually the waves like break further on the inside too, not it's not always breaking that far out. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I mean it's just a beautiful setup too. And then, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the other division. So you had the Grom division. What ages were the Grom? 14 and below. Okay. And who, who won that, the Grom division? Caden Pritchard from Maui. Yeah. Cool, yeah. yeah. I, actually, I actually interviewed Caden for a wingful interview. He's also a really good wing foiler. He's so yeah. good. Yeah. He's good. He's a charger. Full little Grom. Yeah. He's a charger. Yeah. Very cool yeah. kid. Yeah. And, and then, then you had whole, the... Sorry, go ahead. The women's. Danelle was my pick on that. When every time when the waves are this big, our pick is always Danelle. Because she's the only one that I know that charges super hard. She's charging all the way to, I don't know, six, seven months pregnant. It was <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. And then we had the Kapuna League, the 60 and above. Because we did that one for the people of Kauai. Because a lot of uncles actually foiled at this spot. And they always just wanted to. I'm not going to put them against somebody like Kavika Cavalio. Or, yeah, Mateo or whatever the case would be. But So it was actually really good that we actually ended up having a division for them. So it was pretty good. And Kapuna was 60 and over, right? Yeah, yeah. 60 and over. Okay. What's yeah. out, Uncle I think Uncle Kavika makes 60 next year. Yeah. So they got to be so careful. He, he can enter now next year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the boys are down. So there's yeah. the upstairs where the judges were sitting at, up on the top of the, the yeah. new holling. Oh, there you go. So, and then, oh. yeah, afterwards, you had a cool event, lots of cool prizes and everything, nice dinner. So that was cool, too. Live music, everything. So...
Yeah, that was a great event. I have to say you guys did a really good job and I know it's a lot of work to do something like this. Thank you for putting it on and yeah. making it. No, up. it was so cool, especially the first competition that we've done uh, in 2019. Uh, we put this on, Pono and I, I went to Pono, I was like, Pono, we're doing a contest. Okay, let's do it. And out of all everybody that on the staff, the Ohana, my sister, like it was my sister, my mom, my my daughters, none of them foil, none of them really surf. The competition contest wise, nobody's done it. Initially, I was in the contest of 2019, and then my buddy Cleve, the head judge, is like, "There's no way you can foil this contest. We're gonna need help." So after that, uh, these guys told me I, I, I'm not allowed to foil any of our contests ever. So that's how we, now it's, it was just funny because everybody's doing this. The only guys that foiled is the judges. That's the only people on the staff that actually foils, which is cool, which is amazing. Having having that support, like we just, we volunteered them, not volunteered them to kind (laughs) of help us out with the contest. And they were all up for it. They saw our vision and they supported us from the get go to have that support is like, unreal yeah that's awesome yeah so do you think i guess here on oahu like the foil contests are usually kind of part of other like the buffalo surf meet they had like a foil division and stuff like that but it seems yeah it seems like there aren't really that many real surf foiling competitions yet yeah yeah we are the i believe we were the first one ever in 2019 yeah a full foil contest yeah, yeah, because like you said, Rob, the it was a part of part of Duke's part of the Buffalo. So this is the first time I think we had. I think the the contest I did with you was it the pumping? Yeah, the hundred waves the, contest or whatever. Yeah. The hundred boys to men one I think was the boys to men contest. Yeah. yeah, and that was awesome. That was you know, and that was yeah. oh, you guys got this on. Oh, you got. <laughs> So actually, I was going to play this kind of do a separate video out of this, but this was like when we got there on Friday, the day before the event, we went straight from the airport to to this spot and I was like blowing. We're like all excited about it. I went out in the water and a good wing foiling session. And yeah, and I only brought my wing foiling gear. I didn't even bring anything else, but because I was looking forward to trying to do that downwind downwind racing. Glad you guys scored at Honolulu Beach. Yeah, Dude, that, was, that was a spot. super fun spot too. Yeah. Why uh, didn't we go there? <laughs> you didn't want to. You wanted to go Kalapaki. <laughs> oh. Okay, but yeah, I'll, I'll probably do this, share this another time. But so, but yeah, I'll get back to you guys. And but yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about foiling and like for people that are getting into foiling, want to want to get better. Like, what are your pointers or like what were like some breakthroughs for you or like good tips that you can share with people? Both of behind the boat, in a river or a lake, getting food. I think that's the easiest and safest way to, to learn and the fastest. Instead of trying to take off on waves not knowing how actual foil work. And then, yeah, like on a bigger board, bigger foil. So it'll help you get up easier and faster instead of a smaller setup where it's a little bit harder to get up on foil at first. Once, Once you figure out how the foil will react to like your foot placement, your body weight, front to back foot ratio, all that 
you have to take into consideration in order to get the right height on foil and then just trying to be safe on the foil. And I think each time you go out every session, you got to remember, okay, this didn't work. Oh, okay, wait, this worked. Okay, let me try this. It's a step-by-step -step process. You can't just go out one session and be like, oh, I'm ripping it. I know everything about foiling because the next session you'll get humbled really quick. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of people, they try it a couple of times and then they just give up. They find it too Yeah, with, with foiling, you have to be like consistent, go every day. Because I think when I first started, I think I went six months straight every day, seven days a week. <laughs> I literally went every day. Yeah, until I got it like fully down. I think the more consistent you are, the faster you learn and the better you become a whole new sport. Just the feeling alone gets you out there in the water. Just to be up on foil and just flying, just fly straight. Just flying straight is always fun. I think that was the main goal from like the beginning. So for me, I foiled at Kalapati. That's where I learned. And then my goal in the beginning was always try to make it to shore. Just go straight and make it to shore without getting hurt. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Jason? Being, you got some tips? Yeah. Yeah. So once you get on four, so I actually, when I teach people, I take them on my ski and I have a 6-6 six, six blue planet that I actually use to, to teach. And to me, that's one of the really good boards to learn because it's long enough and it's a lot easier to control. They can actually stand up on the thing without lying down, going to your knees, doing all, you bypass all that part. Go to the stand up, hold the rope, and you just take off. But I always tell guys when you start to learn is everybody just wants to fly and they want to stay up there. It's like everybody wants to be like 10 steps ahead. We need to step back a little bit. I always tell like corner guys like crawl, walk, run. Like there's no rush. So I once you can get up on foil, I tell the people to push it all the way back down. And then go back up again and then push it all the way back down. That way, how much pressure each leg or are you standing in the right spot to push it down to control, learning how to control. Once you get up to that 36 inches or whatever that your, your foil is, because that's when you start to get hurt and when you start to breach. So always, if you can start to control yourself at like 12 inches, go up, go back down and just keep on doing that, then... By a time when you get to your 30 inches, whatever case, you have control to stay at that spot. But that's one of the one of the other things that that we like to teach too, because there's no rush in learning how to foil. But expect yeah. nowadays you got these 10 year old kids learning how to foil on the very first day. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I taught one then, kid. Go ahead. Yeah, I think part of that is just yeah, the equipment so much better and more dialed in and if you have if you have the right equipment and the right instructions and yeah it's possible to learn it quickly especially for young kids that just pick it up easily yeah but yeah that i think that senpai used to always say stay low and in control right low and yeah. in control, low and in control. Oh, yeah. still, yeah. still to today if i'm coming down the line he'll say those exact same words to me <laughs> senpai never changes he'll, no matter who how good you and that's the thing we, we talked to with Sam Pai is like, we don't care how good you are or how good you think you are. You're going to get humbled or hurt somebody. So you got to stay on your toes at all times and be focused on a foil while you're being on the longboard. But you, 
once you get up, you have to stay focused, which is amazing. I think that's why we're so addicted to this sport because no matter how good you get, it'll still humble you on a two-foot wave. It's just the competitor side, like the adrenaline on a two-foot. Well, I always tell people a two-foot wave at pipe or at Kahana Bay feels like a 10-foot wave at pipe. That mm-hmm. adrenaline, no matter how big, it's a rush. They're one foot or no way if you get up it's such a rush it's yeah the high speed bottom turn it feels like you're riding 20 foot pipe or whatever yeah. even though it's a foot behind you so in terms of if you look at the talent versus practice what would you say for you is it is it talent or is it time on the water and just practicing or or a combination of both definitely a combination of both you can see so when you watch guys foil, when I see it, I say, like, oh, these guys are ripped. Say, for example, Jack. Like, I've surfed with Jack before, so I know he can surf. So you can see the transition he does from longboarding, shortboarding, and to the foiling side. Like, Pono can shortboard. I can see the transition. Mm-hmm. Guys like Derek Hamasaki. So not to say that you'll be ripping right away. For example, look at Erica. She's really good in foiling, and she we... She doesn't surf. She doesn't have any of that. No waves. She hasn't caught anything. But now she's riding. She's towing into big waves. With the dedication that you put into foiling and how focused you are and you're setting yourself up goals like that, that's huge. But talent, yeah, you got to have talent to be in this different level. But not to say that, like I said, dedication and a lot of training for sure. But Confidence is the biggest thing to me. Confidence by surfing and, and any other sport because you can get hurt really bad. But yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And a lot of us have a water sports background. And I think in winging too, it's really obvious where if somebody's had a windsurfing background or kiting or whatever, and they understand how to how a wing works, then it makes a huge difference versus someone that might be a great surfer, but they've never really used a wing or used done any wind sports. So for sure, uh, it's a lot more challenging to learn that. Yeah. But it's so funny when you say the wing side too, though. You can see the difference on the wing, on the guys who used to do the wing sports, transition to foil winging, advice the guys that, that foils, surf foil, and learning how to wing. Because then you put them on a wave, then you'll see, oh, Oh, he's got to be a prone porter. And then when you put him on like a, like the winning races they've been having in Florida or, or Europe and stuff like that, then you're like, oh, that guy's a guarantee, uh, like a kite surfer, which is amazing because you go to Maui, most of those guys, the wind side of it turns all into wing foiling because what I think is less equipment, but everybody's ripping but on their own style of foiling whatever but yeah no totally and yeah like someone like Derek yeah you put him on a wing foiler he's, he's like ripping it like the wing's not even yeah. there yeah exactly amazing. and that's what he has a little bit of advantage on guys going trying to do the surfing side of it but if he went did a wing race like a short distance ring race then he'll have big competition for sure but mm-hmm. Derek yeah, he's getting pretty going. good at the wing handling too and racing and all that. I mean, he's actually oh, a yeah. really good competitor he's in the racing too. Special species, yeah. that one. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about the yeah the state of mind and you saying confidence is really important. And I know sometimes we all have days where everything kind of flows and every, you're like, 
you never fall and you just keep going and like everything you can't do any wrong and then other days when you're just like you can't even make a drop yeah is there are there any secrets to getting into that state of mind where you're confident and and you're just like superman and you can do whatever you want oh tricky question and never really <laughs> thought about it that way for the most part for me it, i try to keep a cool collective mind as soon as i jump in the water because i know what i'm getting myself into right now and especially then you look at the waves see how they are and then kind of i kind of base my session off of that like how the waves are and the, if it's just more for just cruising or actually progressive side shortboarding, all those you got to take into consideration too. And then kind of like how your day is go going, there's definitely a lot of factors you got to take into consideration on how to stay in a positive mood. Sometimes I'm a victim of it. I just use the water as a ocean therapy. If I'm having a bad day or a shitty day, I'll go jump in the water. I know a lot of people who use that as a therapy but when it comes to foiling you definitely want to be in a great mindset to to foil because either you're going to get hurt or you're going to hurt somebody else so i think foiling in general you have to have a positive mindset no matter if it's one foot or ten foot yeah yeah and i think what you said too about focusing on the conditions and paying attention and just like being in the moment and just not thinking about other things is like you just have to really zero in on when what you're doing and pay attention and look at where the sets are coming and look what everyone else is doing and just not have any distractions in your mind i guess yeah yeah especially because you're foiling surfing waterboarding yeah you can kind of get away with it but not with foiling yeah. What about you, Jason? You have any special tips yeah. on getting into the right frame of mind? I don't know about getting in the right frame of mind, but you gotta, yeah, I said being in within the moment. But I can tell you what happens when you don't have a bad day, or when you do have a bad day. Just get out of the water, because <laughs> yeah, you, the more emotional you'll get, the more fatigue you'll get. And that's when you start to get hurt. So if you're out there and not feeling it, it's oh, stop my day today. On a foil, you can't, you say that one time, just get out of the water. On a surfing, it's like, not my day. You can hang out all day. But we've been in, in, in instances where I'm not feeling it, but I want to be out there because the waves are good or whatever the case may be. And just nothing goes your way and that got hurt. But, and on the other side of that, where you have so much confidence in the world. My head was huge, was huge. And I got hurt really bad on that one because my confidence was way up on another level. I could no do I couldn't do anything wrong. And I got knocked out at Baby Queens a few years ago. And same thing happened when I went to the big island. It was like six to eight feet. And I got all the confidence in the world. And I don't know, my jet ski guy, they helped me out, Chad Klima. <laughs> wow, yeah, so I guess you can be too confident as well. Yeah, I mean, it gets it goes both ways, yeah. 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 That's a good point. Yeah, so that's why staying humble is a key on the foil, whether it's half a foot, one feet. Just got to keep that focus because, yes, 10 feet, above anything above 5 feet, you're your focus, but you start to lose focus when it starts to get smaller, half a foot, one foot. 
And most of the time, that's when everybody gets hurt, when it's actually smaller, not so much bigger. Because right. when, on the bigger sets, you're so much way more focused than you would on a one-foot wave. Yeah. You just forget. You have all that confidence building, but you forget that you got a couple more shitties underneath your floor or underneath your board that's spinning around, too. But yeah, yeah it's got to stay safe out there. Because I think a few of the biggest accidents that we've seen was actually guys trying to dunk under the wave and not so much riding the wave that I've seen so far. Because they lose bad. the board and then the foil's coming around at you and stuff, yeah. That's true. Yeah, because remember back in the day, still our, because of the volume, right, our boards are bigger. Now you're starting to see the rails starting to taper down, which helps a lot if you guys waxing or putting the wax mat on those boards. So it's it's coming it's coming to help out with the foilers and that's why most everybody most of the guys has been doing it for a couple of years it's all most of the boards are all custom made to themselves yeah. by spiding off the rack so because of the holding that rail having a confidence on dunk diving that's where it all starts if you can't dunk dive away you know, that's it's going to be torture for you scary when it's three four four feet yeah. but yeah. So for myself, so like you, you said, like when you don't have a good session, just get out of the water, which I think that kind of makes sense. And for me, especially towards the end of the session, like when you get tired and that's the dangerous part, when you like, when you get yeah. tired and you're making stupid mistakes, that's when you can get hurt easily. But I find if in the very beginning, sometimes it takes me a little bit to get into that state of mind. And if mm -hmm. I'm not, sometimes I can just maybe just sit on my board and just let everything go and breathe and relax. And I, like sometimes I can turn my state of mind to um, to actually then have a good session. But it's, right. it's sometimes challenging to do. And if you can't do that, then, yeah, you're better off just going in. And then also, yeah, and then knowing when to quit. If you've been out there for two hours and even though you're still feeling good, if you're making dumb mistakes and especially on like bigger days or whatever, it's just better to go in and. Call it a day. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I, mean, hard. I, I limit myself for a two-hour session. That's it. That's my limit. After that, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I don't want to go anything over that because I know I'm tired. At, at that point, I'm exhausted <laughs> and tired, and I know what can come of it after that. I don't want to get hurt or hurt somebody else. Two-hour two limit all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was just listening to James. James Casey does like downwinders for world record downwinders and stuff like that for all basically all day for 12 hours or something like that. Crazy yeah. stuff. And then there's like a new world record for pumping, pumping around in the surf. Oh, yeah. I, I forget that. what it was, but several hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like nonstop. I, mean, I think the flat water was around 23 minutes. This flat water pumping or something like that. It's. I think it's longer I mean, now. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. But, 48 yeah. minutes, I think, or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, 48 minutes. Yeah. And in the surf, it's two hours, two hours, 40 minutes, or something like that. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. so crazy. <laughs> That's but, so yeah. crazy. Yeah. And we'll probably see more stuff like that happening. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we haven't uh, scratched the surface yet. That's mm -hmm. what we said three years ago. But yeah. seeing all the progression and then where wing is taking us, and then obviously the straps, and then Saturday this chap is and it's a whole it's insane so can't so, wait till next year yeah and i with the straps i understand your reasoning but i think straps just allow a whole another the realm of possibilities like my i guess they had that duke's contest and they were you're oh. not supposed to use straps but they did anyways and he, did, he was doing like backflips on the waves 
and you can't do that without straps but yeah so do you think can you see yourself in the future allowing straps or is that just something that you don't oh, think yeah. belongs in with foil surfing Oh, for sure. For the Kauai one, we couldn't because it was a one-day event. The Maui one, we had the straps category in there being a two-day event. So that would be the only reason why we're not having it for the Kauai one. Uh, uh, and we'll probably not have it for the Kauai one unless we open up. Um, depends on how many competitors. And so far, every year has been different. Depends on how many people come out. Because ideally, we want it. The Koi wanted. We wanted to make sure that everybody surfs twice. So that that's why we took out the straps progression. But for sure, Maui, for sure. Yeah, the progression on straps, you can't take away from the stuff that they're doing nowadays on the yeah. straps. So we're not going to take away from that. But yeah, for the Koi one, mainly reason because it's only a one-day event, for sure. I mean, it sounds like for both of you, like foilings had a big positive in impact on your lives. Like it made a big difference. But so... My question is, is there a dark side to it or is it because it is like an addiction? Yeah, you want to go foiling. It's like you, but is there like a downside or a dark side to that foiling addiction or is it just all good? <laughs> yeah, I think the word for that is procrastinate, I think is what you call it or forget everything else because I'm foiling. And it all depends on your bank account too. <laughs> that too. Yeah, yeah, that too. But fortunately for some people, we didn't have to worry too much about that. But I'm not spending, maybe spending time with the family and stuff like that, or too busy foiling. Especially this contest, it was very rough. But, and then yeah. taking off of work. It's a very addicting sport. and It's fun though. It's but, like you have to have a good relationship with your wife and with your boss to be able to do it. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So actually, do you have any advice on that? People in relationships... Where the, I don't know, like my wife used to be more upset when I go out in the water all the time, but now she's more accepting of it. She get, realizes that it's good for me in a way or I'm more relaxed, I guess. But uh, are there any tips on how to handle relationships and family and balancing your life like that? So you can do the fun things. Oh, that's not my category, Bono. That would be all you. I mean, I'm single. <laughs> single. You don't have to worry about um, coming home. Nope. It's hard. I, I think you need to, it's hard to balance that, but it, that's for anything, whether it's surfing or whatever your desire, the dream is, but just having that, that, that the other half understanding of who you are and the passion that you have, like we put in a lot of passion into not just the sport, the sport actually helped us. It was just the beginning of what we do, like spoilers of Aloha and you know, donating fundraisers it's because of foiling i don't think if we were we got into foiling i don't think any of this would have happened it's because i don't it all started from foiling for us giving back to our community started from foiling i foiling you know it's huge in our life i the whole foiling side like i slow down the corner guys take their go and have fun and foil or we take videos and stuff like that and other than that it's yeah the foiling is what made us do or it changed our lives in the last about three four years since we've done it in a huge way not just foiling yeah i think it helped us in personal giving back to the community and not just us giving back but having people realize that oh yeah we should do this but yeah i have to foiling definitely did all that yeah 
That's I think amazing. for the most part, it's supporting one another. I think definitely if, if it wasn't for Forling, we wouldn't have this whole community, this whole camaraderie, this whole hospitality with each and every one of us. Rob, with you, I mean, with Uncle Derek, Homosaki, just meeting, every, get, being able to meet everybody, like face-to-face, even like Eric in, up in Texas, Lance, Captain Steve up in Texas, all those guys, Eric, just being able to meet everybody and having the same mentality of, wanting instead of needing to give back we want to give back because that's all we have is each other none of us could ever do this alone i know i wouldn't be able to put on a contest by myself it takes a whole lot of hard work and dedication and it's us as a whole coming together to provide all of this to give back to our community to take care of the aina that we live on it's time that we give back instead of take yeah beautiful so for people who are listening and want to support you guys, like what can they do and who do you want to say thanks for its, their support and how can people help you guys out more? First, I say thanks to Fuafi Rohana, mom, my sister, my mom, my daughters, Meg, everybody, every year, they're always out to support us, which has nothing to do with that because they don't foil, but us giving back to the shields, women's in need, and giving equipment for people that, especially for the holidays, it's well worth it, but if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have done a lot of our work or none of this would get done without them. Our sponsors, for sure, help us a lot. You've helped us a lot. The last few years, you've been supporting us from the beginning, you and Jeff Jang. So we had to thank you guys. And then Access, like Access is so funny because they came to me and it's like, oh, I want to sponsor the Foil Fever Ohana. And basically, we all got sponsored, which is cool because yeah. they, they picked up the whole Ohana, not just one person. I have to thank Evan and the crew for that. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. Because it's expensive. Rob, that yeah. is super expensive. It's, oh, and it changes every single time. Yeah. I like to, yeah. And thanks, Bono, for keeping me on my toes. So yeah. it's good, though. <laughs> Right on. Yeah. yeah, I know, like, probably, like, the entry fees and stuff like that. It Like, I, we've put on some races in the past and stuff like that with Jeff Chang and Wet Feet and Blue Planet. And, like, you're lucky if you can cover all your costs, right? So it's not, sometimes people would think, like, you're making money off of them because you're charging them an entry fee or something like that. But it's really not like that. Yeah. It's like a very, you're giving a lot of yourself to put on a contest like that. And then a lot of times you don't even get to enjoy it because you're just like working basically the whole time. And that's why I wanted to go slow on Saturday. I was having so much fun. I didn't want to have it stop. And then the day after I was like, ah, sure. I, I know the ways are good. I just totally forgot what happened because everything went so fast. Was yeah. It was positive all day. It was unreal. But, yeah. Yeah. It's. I didn't really realize how special that event was until afterwards. Like when I was yeah, back yeah. on Oahu, was like yeah. looking at the footage. Is like this was amazing. Like that was really a, something special. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's what we're gonna talk about on our lessons learned in a few days. And always the first fifty minutes, dude, that was the best contest. Yeah. And then we start. <laughs> okay, let's yeah. get out the business. What do we need? We're always making sure. And this is what we didn't do this year at the contest. The first year we had a jar in the middle of the stage and we invited people 
to put in their comments on what how can we make our contest is better. And yeah. we had a few from 2019 that we did change for this year, but I wish we did it again. But I think, I don't know, I think we were spot on. Everybody, all the staff was spot on, on their jobs. There's a few lessons learned, but it can only get better and get bigger. And we want to do a tour. So if any big companies out there want to dish out the money, WSL or somebody that we would love to do a tour around the state of Hawaii, California, Texas, because we've experienced a lot of different types of, not just waves, but wake and wakeboarding and all that stuff too. Even Texas, when we went through the cargo, that's doing a contest out there. The longest wave I think was 23 minutes by Patrick in California. And that was insane. Wow. So things like that would be super cool, but we want to take it all, all around the world for sure. But, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that, that's something like if anyone has connections to a big sponsor, yeah, <laughs> that would be a good way to help you guys out. Somebody that can put some money into it. Sure. Yeah. Actually, Piros was asking, I forgot to ask you guys earlier, what are the rules? Can two people be on the same wave and, or what is it just the same as in surfing? Whoever's closest to the peak has the right of way or what are the rules on that? Well, no. main priority is, uh, person closest to the peak so once he's up and riding if and then if you have somebody else pumping out and then somebody else is paddling for that wave the person paddling for that wave has the has main priority but if you're the guy pumping back out and you're far on the shoulder you can make that turn as long as you're not hindering the guy who's paddling into the wave if you're not that's why we say 20 feet away we don't want to hinder them so that they fall off the wave because of you we call that like a DQ. But if you're, if you take that turn and you have that guy who's paddling for the wave falls, you can go ahead and take that wave. It's pretty much plain and simple on who has priority and who shouldn't have priority. Because you can pump out, you can just straight pump back out to the next wave. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Any Anything else you want to add? Like about the commute, foiling community or... Anything you want to put out there for the people that are still listening? All the people that are still listening now are hardcore foilers. You can't get enough. It was funny that when we were in Kauai after the contest, we were at our Airbnb and they had a hot tub outside. And we sat in the hot tub like for four or five hours and just talking about foiling the whole time. You didn't feel tired or anything. It's like, yeah. And yeah, those, those are the kind of people that are still listening. So do you have any message for the hardcore foilers? Thank you guys. We appreciate you guys supporting and you being just as addicted as we are to foiling. Without you guys, without any of us, this happiness wouldn't be going around, I think, as a whole community, foil community. So thank you guys. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Uh, yeah, just stay safe out there. Wear a leash. Uh, like I always tell everybody, it's like my daughters, they, they're not into foiling. They didn't sign up for foiling. So they don't know the consequences of foiling. So there's no reason why you should come within a surfer or whatever the case may be. As foilers, we know the consequences of foiling. So we want to make sure that we keep in our little space. Like say, we don't have to pump into the lineups and whatnot. That's what. That's why we foil. So we can stay away from everybody else and still have 10 times more fun than, yeah. than I have. Uh, for a foot wave or the case would be but 
yeah, just stay safe out there. And hopefully we see you guys at the next contest. And we appreciate all the support that everybody has given us, not just the, some of the communities, especially on the Koa, Iomalu, uh, Kuno Club for letting us use their hale. But people like that has no nothing to do with foiling, supporting us because they believe on what we're trying to do with the whole foilers of Aloha movement. Yeah, we appreciate everybody. Appreciate all the competitors coming out. Thank you guys. And yeah, we hope we see you guys at the next one. It'd be awesome. Yeah, thanks so much, Jason and Pono. And so the best way to find out about what you're up to is like Foil Fever on Instagram. Is yep. there any other, do you have a website or any anything else that people can check out? Well, you check out It's Me Pono on Instagram and then uh, Foil Fever on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, we have it on YouTube as well. But yeah, mostly Instagram. We just got to keep updated on that. But a lot of guys are like, oh yeah, invite me. and Or can you set, I had a message the other day. Can you set an alarm for your next contest to call me? I was like, <laughs> I, was super confused. I was super confused. But hopefully you guys, <laughs> yeah, just listen to what, you know, because most of our contests is first come, first serve, especially when the days go by and we get more foilers. But to the foilers, just keep that aloha going. I think we got, as foilers, we got something good going on. Also with the companies as well, like Rob, we don't foil for Blue Planet, but you've given us so much in the last shit, last three years. Not even a small kind, but yeah. See, and I'm one of those guys that doesn't always check Instagram. I'm I try to put a video on YouTube every week, so um, that keeps me busy. So I can only do so much on social media. But so I, I only found out about your contest through my friend Derek and. Those guys that were coming over and oh come with us and I'm like okay let's go, <laughs> but yeah I I didn't even know yeah I guess I'm gonna have to monitor your Instagram account more more often, <laughs> but that works too. But oh did we lose? Looks like we lost, lost Jason. It. But it's probably computer died or something. Yeah, probably ran out of battery. We've been talking quite a while, so thanks so much, Pono. We'll, we'll... Oh thank you, I appreciate it. Thank oh, you for yeah. having. Me. Oh. Here's Jason. Let's all say goodbye and see if he's, is he back? Yep. Oh, Jason's coming back online. Yeah. Pono, Pono sure. said you probably your battery died for this long phone yep. call. <laughs> but yeah, no worries. But yeah, thank, thanks so much for joining me. And I'm sure people are going to love this show. And we'll talk again, hopefully, after your, your next event. And Hopefully you'll keep getting blessed by by Mother Nature, the Aina and the waves and the beautiful people of the full community. So thanks so much. Right on. Hey, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate everything you do for our community as well and for the foil fever. You and Jeff Shane put us on a whole new level as well, too. So people like you gives us the opportunity to shine or gives us the opportunity to do what we want to do. So we would like to thank you and Jeff Chang out there for supporting us as well. So thank you very much, Rob. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks. And uh, have a good night. Hello. Uh -huh. All right, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for watching this episode of the Blue Planet Show. As always, I try to leave a little message at the end for those of you, the hardcore viewers who watch all the way to the end. And today I have a quote for you. Our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall.
So whether it's in foiling or in life, if you want to grow and improve, you have to try things that you're not really comfortable with and keep pushing the limits a little bit. And sometimes you fall flat on your face like a lot of the competitors in the contest, but that's how you grow, that's how you get better, and you just have to keep getting up and going again. So uh, I hope that works for you. It's always worked for me. And uh, thank you so much for watching again. See you on the water, see you on the next Blue Planet episode. Aloha.